0: Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. I'm so honored to have you here joining us today where we talk about the business of real life. Today I am just very excited about our guests. It's a husband and wife team and I'm very, very excited with our guests today. Our guest, as I mentioned, is a husband and wife team and this mom, she started her business out of necessity. She created a product for her family and she is the the founder and CEO of Bitly Labs, and her husband is the president of sales and marketing. I would like for you to join me and welcome today with us Prisca Diaz and Dana King. Welcome with, welcome to our show today. Hi, thank you so much. How are you? I am good. I am good. How is New York today?
1: Oh, it's freezing cold. <laughs> It's literally you can see eyes on the road. It's it's ridiculous.
0: And Now I am guessing your children are at school right now. Is
1: that the time Mm -hmm. of day? It is that time of day? Yes, they are. Yeah, and how old are your children now Prisca? Uh, Well, Carlton is eight years old and Adriana is seven. And and Dana is there with you?
2: Yes. Hello. Good morning.
0: I'm very excited. I I will say that you are probably my first husband and wife interview. Oh,
1: So I'm very honored.
0: (laughs) Well, the honor is all ours. I'm very excited because, you see, our our listeners are women who are in business. And I know that one of the top three struggles that women who are entrepreneurs face is, is feeling like they're doing it by themselves. And not everyone has support of a spouse. So... I'm just very honored to be speaking to both of you, and I just feel encouraged already. So thank you for both being here.
2: It's our pleasure.
0: I am gonna jump right away into our questions. First of all, I, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about Bitly Lab. How did this happen? What what caused you to start this business?
1: Um, well, eight years ago, when Carlton was a baby, um, I wanted to exclusively breastfeed. And I did, I started, and I thought everything was going well, except that my son was crying and, you know, he was getting very, um, his mouth was very dried and he, his face was getting very wrinkly. I didn't really, as a new mother, I really didn't understand what was going on. So we went to the first pediatrician's visit at at the seventh day. And uh, he told us basically that the baby was malnourished. Uh, he, the dryness in his mouth was, uh, a sign of dehydration and, uh, he was losing weight instead of gaining weight. <laughs> um, so it was all due because I didn't have enough milk and my breastfeeding wasn't enough to give him all the nutrition that the baby needed. Um, and so the, the doctor suggested I should, uh, introduce formula, you know, so that it's you know, supplemental nutrition more than anything else. Um. So we went out and uh, got a whole bunch of bottles and started to try. I guess that's how the mom, the new mom, begins as well. You try all kinds of bottles to see what your baby likes and um, and what's the, the best uh, the best bottle for your baby. Um, and uh, but only to realize that you know every single bottle out there was turning my baby into a bag of gas every time. <laughs> and the crying and the pain was more painful than, you know, the first week that when I was trying to <laughs> breastfeed. And so um, I, that's when I started doing a lot of research to find out what can I do to help them. And I found out about air vents and how most or all of the bottles out there right now offer some sort of air vent, which is actually... A hole on the bottle, other than the nipple, and introduces a stream of air as the baby drinks the milk. Um, and that air ends up mixing with the milk and then getting ingested by the baby and turning into gas pain. Um, so all this, you know, the, the reason why they create these uh, air vents valves is so that uh, the baby doesn't create this vacuum buildup and then the nipple collapses. So for for, I guess for their purpose is better if they keep introducing air into the bottle, rather than what the baby's actually ingesting, uh, which should be hundred percent milk and not really air. But anyway, so those are the kind of things that I was learning. And then I also realized that my baby was just, given up my, my breast. I offered him my uh, breast so that I could continue to breastfeed and he just wasn't interested. He didn't create any suction. Like he never even tried to latch. (laughs) And I was telling Dana, so I think something is wrong. I don't understand. You know, yesterday he was trying to look for the breast and trying to latch on it. And today he just doesn't want it. And, um, So I learned about nipple confusion and how the ordinary bottles with this unnaturally shaped nipple create, um, you know, some sort of confusion for their baby. Um, Also, the vented bottle gives the baby free milk without the need uh, of suction or perfect latch or, you know, nothing like that. Um, And I was warned by the lactation consultant. She says, do not introduce bottles because your baby will stop breastfeeding. Um, But then how else can I feed the baby? Right. (laughs) Um, And so so all of that happened. And I once I understood the problem, um, I told Dana, I have to create a solution. I have to come up with something, some sort of device that fed the baby milk and not air. And the nipple resembles the mother in a way where the baby can, you know, create the same latch and the same suction, so that it doesn't lose that kind of exercise.
0: So, Dana, at this
1: point, did you think what my wife wants to invent
0: a product? What did you? What was,
2: what was <laughs> well, your thoughts? And Kriska is her nature is to uh, look at things and critique them and then try to think of some a better way to do it uh, whether we're sitting in a restaurant and she's looking around at the scenery she likes and doesn't like about the decor or some product she's using it's just she she's she lives, eats, and breathes design. so you can't stop it it's just a natural process for her so this was not something unusual before this she was playing around with various other ideas you know maybe you know, float in the water and the one was taking a bath. So she's always experimenting and doing things like this. She's a very creative person. So when she started working on the bottle and told me what she was doing, you know, I, I gave her some tools that I had uh, put into storage because, uh, you know, my, I had some hobby-related uh, tools that she could use for cutting and creating a prototype. So I encouraged her to do it. And uh, I thought it, it sounded like an interesting concept. The question was, you know, whether she could actually make it work.
0: And, and at that point, was she um, already, Pres- Presco, were you already making those prototypes to, like, um, store-bought items? Is that what you were trying to do?
1: Yeah, well, we, you know, basically I went out and bought all kinds of, like, plastic tubes and other bottles and different nipples, and I was using um, Dana's Dremel tool and, you know, crazy glue, all kinds of things, and um, I finally, you know, actually, just to give you a sense of time, um, this is probably a couple years after Carlton was born, Um, and in between I had another baby, you know, Adriana is only 13 months apart. So with all those new babies and going back to work, there wasn't really any time to like re- really sit down and work on it. But every time I had a, a break, I would sit down at the kitchen table and work on it a little bit. So two years later, um, I had come up with a uh, Frankenstein kind of uh, prototype that was put together with crazy glue and a lot of parts and pieces from other items and um, and had a rubber band to like create the seal. <laughs> Um, and, and then that's when I told Dana, well, now I need to, uh, get me an appointment in the biggest retailer of this country. (laughs) Wow. I love love ambition. I love that because you know, without, without
0: ambition and goals, we, we don't grow and we don't have a target to aim for. So good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So getting
2: the appointment with the retailer was actually the easy part because, you know, that's, that's. What I've been doing for 20 plus years is B2B sales. Um, I recognized the potential once Priska showed me, you know, demonstrating it with uh, you know uh, various means pump. of pump and actually sucking on the bottle to show that it works within a range of suction that a human could create. You know, I got excited about it, and it was easy for me to to express that excitement. Uh, you know, when I called the retailers to say, "Hey, you really need to meet with us and take a look at this,"
0: that's fantastic. I love that you said that. Making the appointment was the easy part, and I, I I know that a lot of our listeners would would say the opposite. <laughs> so that that is a
1: blessing. That uh... it it is. It definitely is. I wouldn't know you know who to call or what how to start on that part of it. Um, but but you know, once we got the appointment, um, I was very excited and. Based on my own retail experience, you know, I put together all this PowerPoint presentation and I did all this kind of drawings and renderings. Um, By the way, I'm a trained designer, so my whole life I've been doing design. (laughs) So it's all kind of graphic design, package design. And I put this whole presentation together and um, we were there sitting in front of the, or waiting rather for the uh, senior buyer to show up and we're sitting in the room of babies rust. And then the buyer finally shows up um, at the door and she's looking at us like, who are you? <laughs> and, and she just stands by the door, you know, holding her computer and like waiting.
2: Well, this is a person that, you know, is rushing all day long from meeting to meeting and trying to ke- keep a schedule. And she's trying to, you know, very senior person uh, who's actually retired now. Um, but, you know, she's trying to ascertain whether this is worth her time or not. So Priska quickly, before the woman even sits down at the table, she demonstrates the concept using the pump. And the first comment from the buyer was, you know, she says, I have to tell you something. People are always trying to get a meeting with me. And she says, they're always promising me something unique and innovative. She says, and it, and it rarely is. She says this, and then she points to Priska's prototype, that's unique and innovative
0: that is fantastic
2: and that's how the meeting started so we could tell you know that got us excited
0: that that is wonderful that is amazing i i also i love this the the story of of just the combination of of both your skill sets too that presco has design in her background and dana you have sales in your background
2: yeah, my background is actually uh, dating way back uh, to the mid-90s. I was actually selling product design services. So that's, that helped quite a bit because my background was in prototyping.
0: That, that is incredible. That, it was just meant to happen.
2: <laughs> well, it, <laughs> yeah. got, it enabled us. You know, we're quite a team. You know, we're complementary to each other. And it allowed us to take this pretty far you know, uh, ourselves without relying on other people to tell us what to do.
0: Yes. And that is, a, I think that's a huge blessing. And, and, you know, as I listen to your story and I, I think of, of, uh, my husband and I, and, and as I always tell people, there wouldn't be easy daisies without my husband. And it was just a combination of, of just the perfect fit of skill sets and, and the desire to do something. And, and make a solution to an existing problem.
1: Yeah, you know, there should be something like when you're dating, the rest of should be attached, you know, just in case you want to make sure that you're marrying somebody that can help.
0: <laughs> I love that. We should make this dating checklist for future <laughs> entrepreneurs. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
0: No, I, 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 I truly, truly, truly love your story. I love I love it because it's, it's such a, a rare blessing for a husband and wife team to be able to, to work so well together and to have that support when, when you're still able to, to balance your family and your business at the same time. Because, and I, I live this, so I, I know that uh, it is hard because it's hard to have a, a fi- uh, that line that defines when is family time and when is work time. Is, is that true for both of you?
1: Um, well, it's it's kind of a fine line for us. We, we both work from home and uh, well, we, we both raise the same children. So the, the, the responsibilities are very interchangeable. You know, sometimes I'm working, Dana go gets the kids or you know i'll go get the kids or dana makes dinner you know we we kind of like exchange the roles all the time um just try to fit the schedules
2: yeah like every day you know at three o'clock it's like i say well she says well i'll get the kids and then i go i'll get the kids you know we just quickly decide whose time is more valuable at that point you know and we just have no problem you know sharing responsibilities equally i do all the food shopping you know, and those, I have no problem with it. So there's no ego. Uh, this is definitely not the traditional, you know, male, female kind of role. Uh, we both do everything.
0: I I, I absolutely love that. I,
1: I have to ask, are you both full-time in Bitly Lab now? Um, I've been working full-time in Bitly Lab since probably, tw- I would say, 2010. Um, somebody had to pay the bill. So Dana actually has been working for another company um, full-time and then, you know, lately part-time and then he's been kind of putting time into Biddy Lab.
2: Yeah, my employer uh, is a very, um, you know, uh, flexible type of position. So I do outside sales. I work, you know, remotely from my home. So I make my own schedules and as long as I, you know, uh, uh, do do my responsibilities in a in a flexible time schedule. Uh, there's no conflict. <laughs> it's a completely unrelated type of business, so I'm able to uh, spend half of my time, you know, doing business development for my employer, and the other half of my time I dedicate to helping Prisca with Biddy Lab. That
0: that is fabulous. That is fabulous. And are the children involved?
1: Ah, huh, let's see. Um, I- Try to put them to work, but they—they're not really that productive.
2: <laughs> Whenever we need to apply labels to a carton, they seem to enjoy that.
1: Yes, anything stickers are fun. <laughs>
0: stickers yeah. are definitely yeah. fun. So I have to ask, as as successful business owners, some some think that you know it's an easy road to get to where you are today. And I would so appreciate if you could just bring that reality check for for all of our listeners on how challenging or hard it can be to be an entrepreneur because it, it is not an easy road and and I love how both of you are, are trailblazing in, in this aspect of, of working as a husband and wife to create a product line that you've just launched into babies or as across the USA. Congratulations on that. Thank
1: but you. Is is I- there
0: is there an experience that you could share that was probably maybe a low point or a, a Maybe you would consider it the worst experience that you've had in this journey and what you discovered.
2: Well, I, I, I think um, what I relate to people about our experience, and, and this is kind of all new for both of us. Neither one of us has ever brought a successful market product to market before. So there was a steep learning curve. But I think what we learned from this process and, and from the very first meetings after the buyer said, you know, we want to be the first, we want to launch it, now go make it and the meetings began with professional consultants that we'd have to find. You know, the first thing you have to do is, is create a network and a team of professionals to help us bring this to market. You can't do that yourselves. You know, so the, the origination of an idea came, came easy to us because it's Prisca's nature, but taking it to, you know, production, um, that, that the, that's where we stumbled a few times. And we began to meet with engineers and I found it interesting, you know, I recall the first meeting we had with a group of about four or five engineers sitting in a conference room, and Priska's explaining the concept to them.
1: By the way, they're all male, and I had to show pictures of me breastfeeding up on the screen, right, while I'm talking to this.
2: <laughs> so these are, these are engineers, you know, trained professional engineers who specialize in designing medical devices. And this was one particular group that we were referred to through, you know, an injection molder who said, these guys can help you. So Priska is trying to explain the concept and how it works. And the first comment we hear from them is you can't do that.
1: Hmm.
2: And then she says, why? And he says, because it's not going to work. He says, if you want this to be watertight, there's no way it's going to work. A baby suction is not strong enough to power your bottle. And you know, so he, they immediately dismiss it as impossible, just like they say bumblebees can't fly either because their bodies are too big and their wings are too small. So then the next comment is you know, Prisca shows them the prototype and, and pro, you know, shows them that it can work within a range that, you know, of a baby suction using the breast pump, using you know, her mouth and demonstrating that it does work. And then the next comment was, you never went to engineering school, right? And she says, No. And he says, if because he says, because if you did, you never would have done this. So I thought that was profound because I've worked with industrial designers and engineers for many years when I was doing prototypes, you know, back in the nineties. And I, I thought that was interesting because they have these preconceived notions that really prevent them from doing groundbreaking work.
0: That is very interesting. And I, I really appreciate that you shared those challenges because at, at, uh, at any point, many other people who just heard what you both just shared
2: might give up. Well, that's a key point I'd like to make to your audience is that what I found interesting is that choosing the right partners can make the difference between success and failure. So we immediately dismissed that group as not the people we want to work with. And then we continued to search, and eventually we found, and it wasn't easy, we had to interview like literally dozens of people all over the country We were on the phone, you know, to states, east, west, north, and south. We finally found, you know, through a convoluted method, the team of people that really believed they could help us, you know, make this work for production using FDA-approved materials, which is a whole additional layer of complication.
1: And I think it was more of the challenge also that that um, that prone this kind of this group of people to work with us. Like, you know, they probably had extra time on their hands because we wouldn't be able to afford, you know, like a real people specialized. And they'll say, well, let's let's see
2: if we can do it. Because we're bootstrapping this and we'd we'd express to people we have a very extremely limited budget. And these are people who charge, you know, five hundred dollars an hour for their time. And we're telling them, look, you know, we really can't afford you, but we need your help. So we would try to, you know, work something out with them. But, you know, bootstrapping a business like this is extra difficult. If you've got, you know, Mark Cuban behind you or some person with a lot of money, you know, then you can afford to hire anybody you want.
0: I I appreciate that nugget that you just shared with us, Dana, about, you know, that choosing the right partner can make or break your business. And that should probably go on a t-shirt
2: <laughs> yeah because they'll they're they're more than willing to take your money and lead you round, down a path to disaster where you won't account we you know we and it, it applies not just to engineers it applies to patent attorneys it applies to the manufacturers you know we spent years with the wrong you know uh, attorney initially who accomplished nothing after charging us, you know, significant amount of money and wasting about two years of our time, and then through a referral, we found another patent attorney who was able to achieve what appeared to be impossible for the first attorney in a, re, in a in a in a remarkably short period of time. So choosing your part, you have to. It's like a minefield out there.
0: Yes, yes, and and it is hard because you you do have to take that step of faith, and sometimes unfortunately, it does not. It's not the right path, and and you do spend money that you shouldn't have spent and time that is not replaceable. So I absolutely, I understand because I've been there too. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah. I love that you say, you know, invest in those people who believe in, in your product, who have that same passion because then they get it. With, with a zero or, or minimum budget, they, they just want to jump on board because they, they have that same belief and passion that you do. And yes. I'm so happy that you found those people. I'm gonna ask then, um, what what would you say then are those three must-haves for a person who wants to start up their own business? Because like I said, like after that meeting that you had with that team of engineers and they said you can't do this, you and and with the put downs of you know you obviously have never been in engineering school, a lot of people would just say, oh you're right, I I must have this really bad idea. I'm just gonna quit right now. So what would you say are those top three qualities? that a person needs to start a business?
1: Um, well, I think like passion for what you believe in, I think it's it's a, it's, it's a huge part of it because you 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 want to get other people excited so they can help you. Um, that, you know, having passion for what you're doing should come true, you know, no matter what you do, who you tell. Um, I, I would say that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is tell everybody about what you're doing, because you never know that, you know, your neighbor's daughter goes to the same school as this other person's, uh, you know, daughter that knows more about you. And, and that's how the word spreads. Just talk to everybody and their mother, pretty much. Well,
2: on the other hand, you have to be very discreet about who you tell specific information about what you're doing, because secrecy is, the be- is, 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 is sometimes even better than a patent. You know, confidentiality, being very careful to get people to understand, you know, this is uh, confidential work and you can't just, you know, talk about it freely.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to, you know, disclose the specifics, but definitely if you're coming up with a business or something, just tell people because there's always somebody out there who wants to help. Yeah,
2: like a husband of one of Prisca's friends happened to work for venture capital people on Wall Street, and he told us, you know, on his own time without charging… He gave us lots of advice about, you know, how if, if we ever wanted to take that route, what are the pitfalls and what are these people going to try to do to us, you know, and what to watch out for. So that was the husband of a, of a friend of hers, you know, and you never know where you're going to find expert expertise that you can benefit from.
1: Yeah. And, and I will say the third uh, probably perseverance, you know, don't give up until you have exhausted every avenue out there, um, especially if you believe in what you're doing and test and, you know, if something doesn't work, um, try something else, don't don't give up, never.
0: <laughs> I think all, all, all of those lessons are invaluable for our children to see and And, you know, I think it's a a huge blessing for our kids to see us go through the the highs and the lows of of being in business because they are always watching and the lessons that they learn Mm -hmm. just by seeing how we bounce back up. And I really appreciate that you said that, you know, you don't give up. You just test and try to gain and and just keep going. You got to pick yourself up. Thank you for sharing that.
2: You also have to recognize that you're going to make mistakes. The, the road is twisting and you never, there's never a straight line to success. You're going to make mistakes. The key is recognize those mistakes you know, early and make, take corrective action. You, yeah, you wasted time, you wasted money, but make the correction quickly, learn from your mistake and move on. That's right.
0: Thank you. I, so I'm going to ask both of you and you can answer this separately if you'd like, what's the best lesson in business that you have learned from a mentor or from your own journey that makes you who you are today?
2: Well, one of the lessons, you know, there's that old joke about inventions, and it was a joke that someone working at the patent office once said, you know, that's it. You know, there's, we're not going to issue any more patents because everything's been invented. And, you know, when Prisca came up with this idea, I think my original thought was, you know, gee, that's so obvious. Somebody must've done that already. You know, to me, I thought it was a simple idea and, you know, I couldn't believe that nobody had ever, you know, done this before. So, um, so that, so, so to, to dismiss any preconceived notions from your mind allows you to th- freeze you up to imagine things that simply haven't been accomplished before. So, my point is, there's plenty of room for innovation out there. There's lots of products like baby bottles that really haven't moved forward in decades. You know, if you look at the history of baby bottles it's a category of products that really hasn't changed in 30, 40, 50 years. And the other, our competitors basically keep redesigning their air valve technology year after year. It's, 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 it's an essentially flawed you know, technology because it allows air inside. So we took a completely fresh approach to a category that is very mature, and we've, we've disrupted it. So I, my advice to people is, you know, just like uh, George Foreman with his, with his oven, you know, that was tilted. I mean, it's a simple oh, yeah. idea, but his grill, you know, it's a simple idea, and nobody ever did it before. And there's, there's lots of other opportunities out there to improve on existing products.
1: Yeah. I, I think that what I've learned from all of this journey is that having people's skills is very important. I mean, I I basically have to play politics with everything, every moment of the day, you know, either with a vendor, with a new vendor, with a factory, you know, asking for favors have become uh, a daily, <laughs> a daily task. Um, you know, working with limited budget sort of gets you very creative onto how to get things without having to pay here and there because you just don't have it. So, you know, being nice to people and being, um, transmitting that passion that you have for your business uh, makes, it puts you ahead of the competition for sure.
2: Yeah. And befriend everyone. I mean, even the salespeople for uh, companies that provide you know, materials that go into manufacturing can be an enormous resource if you befriend them. They know everybody out there, even they're just selling resins, and they can guide you to really top quality people that you might otherwise never meet or it might take you years to find them. So don't, you know, don't uh, be afraid to ask. It never hurts to ask, hey, do you know somebody that can help me with this? And you never know, you know, they might have the perfect uh, connection.
1: Yeah, co-workers. Uh, I used to work at L'Oreal, which is, you know, obviously cosmetics. And uh, I've talked to a few co-workers after I left and told them what I was doing. Well, somebody changed their jobs and went to work for a big baby retailer. and That was like perfect <laughs> because, you know, we're like I'm, I'm right there in the same industry. So so, yeah, having people's skills is, is very, very important yes because without people there would not be business there would be no customers there would be no
0: no one to help and you you both shared so many great nuggets of don't be afraid to ask don't limit your imagination and assume that something has been made or made better because if if you have the idea and I always tell people of course if you have this great idea do the research to make sure that it doesn't exist already and then and then if it does make it better yeah, and
2: and absolutely. I hope, and I also don't want to neglect to mention that we've received enormous assistance from our local SCORE chapter, who has helped us really, you know, um, tremendously in terms of.
1: Well, she's in Canada, so I don't know what SCORES is Small a. Small business um,
2: administration retired executives.
1: Right. It's, uh, they're, they're volunteer people. They, they're on, uh, I think they're part of the government, but they don't really get paid. I'm not sure. Yeah,
2: no, they bought, they're retired professionals who volunteer Voluntary. to help yeah. other people like us. And they all have varied skills, depending on, you know, some of them are used to be managers and, and they're experts in, you know, ones in textiles. So they, mat- they try to match you up with the skill set that would be beneficial And we were lucky and our local score chapter has lots of talent and uh, they've helped us enormously from, you know, understanding how to, you know, grow a business, to finance the business, how to seek, uh, you know, um, capital from banks. It allowed us to avoid the trap of going to very high interest, you know, loan type of organizations to much lower interest banks that are you know, um, more than happy to help us grow our business. You know, of course we have to put everything we own up for collateral except our kids, but, (laughs) you know, personally guarantee everything, but at least, you know, it was the most economical way to borrow large sums of money to do this without their help. I I doubt we would have gone that path.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much for pointing that out. And, And I think sometimes entrepreneurs feel alone that they have to do this by themselves and figure it out. Every aspect by themselves, and thank you for pointing out there are organizations out there like SCORE, and and you're right we don't have that here, but there's different uh, uh, companies like um, or different organizations like the Better, I'm oh, sorry, the BDC here where I'm located is a business development center that helps small businesses um, in in topics of like manufacturing and sales, as well as in lending funds to to uh, manufacture.
2: Here in the States, we call it the Small Business Administration. Okay.
0: okay. I'm going to ask one last question because you, you've both kindly shared so many wonderful nuggets. Is I'm all about creating good habits and, in my business of Easy Daisies, which is a children's product. and I have to ask both of you, what are your top two or three habits that you do to help maintain success in your business that you could share with our listeners?
1: habits
2: um well uh naturally since we've had to you know they call it bootstrapping since we're self-funding this uh we've had to become very frugal with you know uh our balance you know our, our family balance sheet so our children you know may have had to make sacrifices you know maybe we can't afford you know karate school right now you know and they understand why so Everyone in the family understands that this is for our future. Even our young children kind of have an idea of that. But, you know, you balance, you try to keep balance in your lives, but you understand you have to make sacrifices. We're not driving, you know, the latest model cars and we live very modestly and we don't go out to dinner very often. And that's because, you know, our time and our, our financial assets are going towards a good cause that we, that we believe will pay off eventually.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Preska, do you have a habit that you would like to share to success? Uh
1: yes, I think that developing a routine uh within the family is is important. Um, you know, when we break that routine, things just kind of go off road and we can't get ourselves together. Um, so the kid, everybody wakes up by 6.30 in the morning. We spend time with the kids. We'll have, you know, breakfast and then we'll drop off the kids at the bus stop and then we start our day. And um, and getting into that routine uh, with the kids and everything, they have a specific time when they come back from Uh, school to start doing their homeworks and you know we have this time allowance for them to uh, watch tv and do homework and all those things I think it helps everybody um, maintain sanity you know I work from eight to three and pretty much you know I stop I I have to stop because I'm also a mom and when the kids are back from school I want to be with them and so uh, I don't I don't let my business take over my life and like work 24 7 so you know it's important to keep that I think a routine and, and some sort of a schedule and I stick to it because it just helps you, you know, grow as a person. Absolutely. I, you're almost a commercial for Easy Daisies right there. <laughs> yeah, I know. You have this wonderful schedule for children. I'm telling you, it, it's, you know, something that works. And and I've always admired your your product. I know, you know, we, I don't know how long have we been together in that group, uh, probably for a couple of years, but I think it's extremely helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank
0: you very kindly. I, I appreciate both those tips about learning to have that uh, being frugal with the, the family balance sheet because that's a life lesson for our kids too. Um, my podcast that I just re- released yesterday was uh, Kevin O'Leary sharing about how to teach children how to save money. And mm-hmm. and uh, if, if you haven't heard it, you might want to tune into that. But it's, it's just teaching kids to not buy things that you don't need. And... Those things are unnecessary and to learn to, to put money in the bank and yeah. to, to, to give 10% and to share your, your, your money with those who are less fortunate, but at the same time, taking 10% and saving that 10% as well. But uh, those are great life lessons and how you shared about developing a routine. I think it just makes everyone in a busy household where there's a business being run, children who are young... To, to feel safe and secure because they they know what the routine is and right. it just takes away that chaos and anxiety that the whole house could feel if
2: there wasn't some
0: structure right and it
2: gives them skills for life
0: exactly exactly presca and dana you are both amazing and wonderful and thank you so much for the the rich ideas and nuggets that you've shared with our listeners today because I know that I have been inspired and I know that our listeners have been. And congratulations to both of you on on your very successful products and business. And if people wanted to find you, besides going on our show notes, where could they find you right now?
1: Uh, Well, they can go to our website to get tons of information. The website is bittylab.com, B-I-T-T-Y-L-A-B.com. And um, the Bear Baller is for sale at our website as well as the R Us website. That's com.
2: And and also nationwide at Select Babies R Us stores.
0: That is wonderful. Congratulations. And thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you thank for you. having us here. Pleasure.